so grateful. <sighs> grateful and thankful that our life is the life of God, that our hand is the hand of God, that our mind is the mind of God. We're not separate from God. We are eternally unified with God. This is what we know and we give thanks for. Giving thanks that we are choosing to come together for the purpose of our awakening, for the purpose of our remembering the truth about ourselves and everyone else. So we partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self in order to recognize the fullness of love right where we are. That we're already perfect. We cannot be any more perfect. So we're joining together to let go of the idea that imperfection, imperfection exists, that it could ever be a part of our nature, our being. We're letting those thoughts go. We're grateful to let all attachments to the illusion dissolve and resolve permanently back to the root cause. We are grateful and thankful to come together to end our suffering and share the benefits with everyone. We are grateful and thankful that our life is divinely guided and led by the Spirit, and so we cannot fail. We are grateful to declare our willingness for healing, for expansion, for awakening, for ascension, for clarity. And in gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yeah. So I'd just like to start off by saying, if you haven't listened to those prayer classes, I feel it's really, it's extremely important, which is why I structured our August classes the way I did so that people would um, fully listen to those prayer classes uh, because it's, it's life-changing to really understand fully how spirit works and the power of our word and our thought. And that was the purpose in having that prayer power part two series of classes. So uh, I, I, I really request that if you haven't listened to them, that you do. And I would like to just start us off by seeing who has any questions. So good to see you, Sean. I, um, yeah, I'm gonna unmute you, Sean, um, just because we've, uh, if, if anybody to see you sitting in the dark on Monday night's class, um, <laughs> <laughs> they uh, just to you want to give us a little report maybe and, and think about in terms of what did you discover and learn going through the threat of a category five hurricane on your family your life your homes as your properties your investments your everything um we have enough time <laughs> what did you learn and discover um well the first thing I discovered is, is that my house isn't ready to handle a Category 5 hurricane. I mean, we have no shutters or no impact windows or nothing like that. So when it came, when I heard that it was going to be a Category 5, I was extremely fearful, um, especially with all the flooding that occurred in Houston. Um, but then the, the, um, 
the hurricane skirted a little bit to the west, and so we were no longer under those hurricane. We were no longer un, we were no longer going to get the eye of the storm, which was about 24 hours before the storm came through here. Um, what I did learn was really nothing's important except ourselves and our family and property really doesn't mean anything because I was ready to just give it all up as long as we survived. Um, one thing that was common was the support and love that everybody um, was giving, um, especially within our Masterful Living community, the Facebook community in general, um, even you know where I live, my job, um, just people, strangers, um, it, it was amazing. And, and, and the thing that um, I came out with the most is I wished, um, I don't know, I, I, I would like to see if we could find a way to continue with everything. Cause you know, once this is long forgotten and people go back to their normal lives, um, I, I don't know how sustainable it is for people to continue to hold the love that they've been holding. I mean, it's all there. We just need to continue to hold it. And, and that's one of the biggest things that is bothering, not bothering, you know, just trying to figure out how we can continue on that momentum um, because there's definitely so much out there. I mean, I heard from families and, you know, from my family that I heard, hadn't heard from in years and friends that I hadn't heard from in years. And why can't we do that every day? And I think that was the biggest thing that happened to me through this whole thing. Yeah. I don't know. I really feel all talked out, thought out. <laughs> I'm just so grateful, you know, and that seems to be the word of the day. I, I'm, I was working this morning. I just came home for lunch, but that seems to be, the recurring theme that I heard all day. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. And I'm so grateful. And if that's what this was about, I'm grateful. <laughs> no, I, it, it just was so beautiful to see everybody and, and the company that I work for, they, um, they gave, they, they rented um 50 rooms for employees and their families. Um, and, even I, I think that we were really well prepared, first of all, because we're an oil, we sell, we buy and sell oil. Um, and so what happened in Texas a few, I don't know, weeks ago, I don't even know how long ago it was because time has kind of st stood still. But um, there was a lot of people from Houston that were flooded out and they relocated them here as well. Um, and they also gave us off on Thursday and Friday last week to prepare our homes and they gave us off Monday and Tuesday. And if, People still needed it. They can still not come in. And so I'm very fortunate and grateful for the company that I work for um, because they did show a lot of love. And we, ra we raised a lot of money for Houston, and they matched everything. And, and I think we raised like a quarter of a million dollars for Houston. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know. I just feel so like everybody else around here grateful. And I just want to be able to continue I know I work on being grateful and sometimes I'm not as grateful as I would like to be, but I just like the idea of how it's spread and, and what can we do and how can we energize this further? 
you know, is it us or, you know, I, I know we do the work every day and it, it extends out to everybody, but it seems like it's really accelerating. Or I don't know if it's just my view or if it's reality. No, it's, uh, there is an acceleration and uh, I've been very aware of it um, since, 2006 that there's this acceleration that's going on for all of us and uh, I, I can remember 2010 11 12 in there that um, the people were sort of thinking that well this isn't gonna last you know once 2012 is over this acceleration is gonna cool down and I knew that it wouldn't. I don't know how I knew it precisely, but I knew that it wouldn't. We're on an accelerated track that's not going to slow down. It's going to speed up, if anything. And um, the way that I have talked about it, that I have found the most helpful to support people in understanding what's going on, it's really literally more and more light pouring into our third dimensional experience here and uh, this even this planetary system and uh, that it's just like one of the analogies I've given you all may have heard me say this that it's just as if you had uh, a garage that you were storing things in your whole life so things you didn't want to look at, uh, things that upset you and bothered you that you weren't prepared to resolve and dissolve, that you stored them in a garage. And maybe some of those things festered and uh, some of those things fermented. And um, that you, you initially, maybe you were just going and putting those things in the garage. I'll think about that later. I'm going to just put it in the garage. I'm going to put it in storage for now. And then as we get older and older, it's kind of like you open that garage door and you throw that thing in there, but you don't want to turn on the lights. You don't want to know what's happening in that garage. You just want to be able to throw something in there and shut that door as quick as possible. And that's how a lot of people operate. Uh, I definitely used to operate that way. I'll think about that, you know, very Scarlet O'Hara. Uh, you know, Scarlet O'Hara is such a, a beautiful uh, outpicturing of the ego, right? She cares about Scarlet and what Scarlet cares about, and that's it. She has zero compassion for anybody else. Uh, she doesn't even have much compassion for the people she loves, <laughs> so she says. And uh, she has no compassion for herself either. Um, and um, her thing was, I'll, you know, I'll think about that tomorrow and about you know the biggest challenges in her life. I, I'm not gonna think about that now, I'll think about that tomorrow. And um, so what happened is uh, tomorrow came and basically we are forced now to look in the garage. If we don't look in the garage, the garage is gonna explode all over us. And so the prudent person is saying, okay, I'm willing to open up the garage door and turn on all the lights and go, do I need any of this? Do I want to sort through it and see if I need any of it? 
or can I recognize that everything that I put in here, I put in here because I was thinking crazy thoughts and I can just give it all to the spirit right now. All the misperceptions, all the crazy beliefs, all the, the insane deductions uh, that my mind deduced and all the decisions that I've made that were egotistical and f uh, from a fear state, uh, I'm letting all of them be cleared out by the Holy Spirit. And what's more, I don't even need the garage anymore. So, um, but you know, people are fighting that. Of course, it's understandable because they've become identified with this garage. And so they think, well, who am I without my garage full of stuff? Who am I without these thoughts that I'm the, the victim of this and I'm the victim of that and I'm the one that did this and I'm the one that did that? You know, I talk with people all the time that they're a huge part of their identity is they're the one that cheated on their spouse. You know, they're the one that this, they're the one that did that. Um, they're the one that their spouse cheated on them. It's like that. So um, <clears throat> we just get all these kinds of misidentifications. And uh, for many people, they've built so much, they've invested so much in it. It's hard to let it go. So that's it. More light, more light pouring in. And we either say, okay, I... I don't need these things. I don't need even the garage anymore. That's the, uh, to me, that's what Masterful Living is all about, is saying, I just don't need any of this anymore. It's not what my life is about anymore. You know, I have a friend who is a very diligent spiritual student, and she says that what she notices is that there's a widening gap between the people who are willing to do the work and the people who are not. And that the people who are willing to do the work are experiencing greater and greater freedom and liberation, and the ones who are not are feeling the pressure that all that light, extra light, additional light, ever-increasing light pouring into our world is actually for those who are not feeling it as assistance and support and love and nurturing and guidance and insight and wisdom and clarity and the all good, they're experiencing it as pressure, 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 pressure to make decisions uh, and make changes. And so um, what I notice about myself is that I used to, when there was pressure, I would resist and I would see how much I could resist for and how long and to try never to give in, never, no surrender, no truce, no surrender. Um, and then when I saw the value of complete surrender uh, with spirit and trust and faith in spirit uh, and surrendering the ego to the spirit for healing, uh, that was a miraculous revelation to me. I saw the value of total surrender. So, uh, but the ego only sees it as death. So we have to have a lot of compassion and patience for people who feel threatened by the shifts and changes because their ego perceives it as annihilation. 
And they don't see it the way we see it. They really, really do not. So it's not that they're stupid or belligerent or any of that stuff. They have a really different perspective. Pain is a wrong perspective. Lesson 190. Is any of that helpful to you, Sean? Yes, it is. Yes. And I can definitely see the widening of, I don't know what you called it, but definitely awakening, I guess. Yeah, the gap. Mm -hmm. You know, but one thing when you were speaking just now, kind of, I guess I was thinking of it more literally, like, um, as far as the hurricane, I, you know, I kept saying to myself, I know everything's going to be okay, and it's for my highest and best, and, and, and it ended up being that way. But I can't help but to think, what if it was a Category 5, and I didn't go away, or, or like, I really felt guided to stay, and, and that ended up being what the result was. But I can't help but thinking, well, what if it was a Category 5, and, and, and I did stay, and I don't, you know... I still had the trust and faith, but there's a small piece of me that just wonders. And I I'm decided not to dwell on it because that wasn't the case, but. Right. Right. So what, so what was the value of thinking about that? Why do you think that your mind wants to think about that? Because I wasn't prepared for a category five, I guess. And, and, and just the reality of the situation is there was a lot of people that stayed in Key West that although they, there were that many deaths, it wasn't really a smart decision to stay there. And I'm sure something guided them to stay there as well. And it could be more materialistic things. I, I'm not really sure, but it could have happened to any one of us that stayed here in Miami. And it probably would have been worse in a sense because there's so much, so much larger of a population here. So what, um, just because we can all benefit from this, so what was it that you thought, because you did think a Category 5 was going to hit you, mm -hmm. decision to stay. So what changed? Well, what changed was my family didn't want to go. And I would have had to go by myself and leave them here. And I thought that I would be more upset if I stayed, if I left and they were here and I didn't know. Um, but I was still ready to run out <laughs> and still jump on the highway. But when it shifted, I, I didn't have to think about that anymore. Um, right. But you said that now knowing what you know, you wouldn't have done, made the decision you made. Correct. If, oh, if, yeah. I didn't understand what you said. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. So if you knew for a fact and who can know, you can't know if a hurricane's going to hit you or not because, they are under the influence of many, many, many factors, including our minds. So um, what made you, because it sounds like now that you know what a hurricane category five could be, you wouldn't stay. Well, I knew what it could be before because I was here during Andrew and I saw the devastation that it had done. And that's why I wanted to leave. Um, I don't know why I keep forgetting what your question was. <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, yeah, that's because maybe the ego doesn't want to think about it. That, and that's, <laughs> um, so if you were, uh, if you knew 
a Category 5 was definitely going to hit you, it sounds like you would not have stayed. Correct. If you knew that. So what has changed in your mind, because you did stay thinking that it was going to hit you, what's changed? But I still had a little chance to get out. But yes. But I would never stay. (laughs) It was terrible. Even what even the even what we encountered was terrible, and we just got hundred mile per hour winds. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna go get impact windows for sure, and probably shutters. But um, <laughs> I don't know. You know, and then I was gonna leave, and it ended up the place I was gonna go to was was gonna take the majority of the hit. So I don't know what the answer is actually. I guess. I have to continue to have the trust and faith that I had and deal with whatever we deal with. But I don't know. I mean, I've talked, I've spoken to people that are moving out of the state just because of all this and they just don't want to take it any longer. But I mean, you can walk out of your house and get hit by a bus. I mean, what are you going to do? Put armor on and walk around like that the rest of your life. Yep. Yep. The chances of Florida being hit by a substantial hurricane again in the near future are probably higher than getting hit by a bus. Okay, I I don't want to think about that today. (laughs) That's totally understandable. I mean, but you can move to California. There's earthquakes. You can move to Texas and get, you know, all that area, you know. Yeah. You can live where Sheila lives. I mean, um. Rand has the fires in his area. Um, yeah. I don't, and everybody has a, something, but I guess the chances are high in Florida. Yeah, everybody's got. But this is all I know. I was born and raised here in Miami Beach. You know. No one's suggesting you should move. No, I know. So I don't know. But uh, I should have a better hurricane plan. Maybe so. <laughs> and I'm sure you will. Oh, I sure will. You know, I, what I think is valuable for all of us to consider is, uh, for instance, when I spoke with my father last Wednesday, a week ago, um, it was predicted that the hurricane, and I can't remember what they were saying then, was it going to be category four or five? I can't remember. But um, they were saying it was going to go up the East Coast. So he was saying, I'm going to leave. I'm not going to leave because it's going to go up the East Coast. And then, of course, by the time Saturday and then and what I said to him was. um, Here's the thing, Dad. I I wanted him even just to go to a, a shelter. I said, here's the thing, Dad. You don't have emergency medical care in your home. You just don't have it but they have it at the shelter. You don't have a generator at home, but they have it at the shelter. And I, I, in order to actually, I'm, I'm happy to out myself. I was being a bit manipulative. I said, and you know what? There's so many frightened people in that shelter and you're not frightened. So you (laughs) can go and be a loving, calming influence to those people at a time when they really need it. So there's that you could be of service because my dad loves to be of service. But he was like, nope, not doing that. You know, my dad has talked for years now that the most important thing to him is to take good care of his wife, Diane. 
And I, I didn't play any of the ego cards on him. That was the only one I played was I said, you know, it's just this dad. In the, if you stay in your home, there's a possibility that you could be intensely traumatized. They both have heart conditions. I didn't say that because I didn't want to manipulate him and guilt him that way. I didn't want to plant those seeds in his mind. I think that was really important. But I just said, I would feel more comfortable knowing that you were in a place with other people and there was emergency medical care standing by and that there was a generator and you were not on your own. Uh, and, but I could have, from an egotistical point of view, I could have said, you say so much that so you want to provide for Diane financially in the event of your death and all of these things, but you are choosing to encourage her to subject herself to an extremely intense and traumatic event that would more than likely, if it occurred, leave you both with post-traumatic stress syndrome of the highest order. And that does not seem like caring for and providing for your wife. So you want to do that, uh, you do that. But just note, I don't believe anything you say anymore because you just make stuff up as you go along. You're, you, you, what you're committed to changes every day. I could have said all those kinds of things, and I would have said them 20 years ago. For sure, I would have done whatever I could to do, get him to do what I thought was best for him. You know, but I, I, was, I was really holding firmly in my mind that they would be fine, and I felt they would be fine. But one of the reasons why they were fine was because the hurricane took a turn right before it got to them. And it went inland because earlier in the day they were headed for somewhere between a four and a five direct hit but it actually moved out away from them and the other thing too was that you know what they were reporting on friday is this thing is the size of france it's 400 miles wide and Florida is a hundred mile wide. So people are saying, oh, I'm on the East Coast. It's not going to bother me. It's like you got a 400 mile storm, wide storm and you're living in a place that's a hundred miles wide. Hmm. It's not going to hit you. What's that going to work? You know, it's really amazing how it ended up. I mean, yeah, but, but that was also the thing. You didn't know if it was going to go through the Gulf and, and hit you in Houston or, or that area again, or, or if it was going to go to South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia. It, yep. it was just crazy. It really, so many people got involved. Yeah. Yeah, it was a very, very intense situation. Um, so just one, one of the reasons why I shared what I shared about my dad is because I, I um, had the good fortune to spend much of the day with Venerable on Saturday. And we were talking about it. So it was transpiring while we were hanging out together. And um, I said to her, I said, I don't know about you, but I'm curious because for me personally, I love myself way too much to ever put myself in a position where it's possible I could be traumatized. I will not do that to myself. No way. If there was a possibility that I could uh, be traumatized or I could avoid that possibility, I would get out of that. I would get out of harm's way every time. And I, I, I feel that way because of self-love. 
So to me, had I been in my father's situation, I, early in the week, I would have either gotten out of there, I would have gotten in the car, I would have gotten on a plane, I would have gone somewhere, way out of the way, way out of the way. I would have gone, you know, like, oh, I'm going to make that trip to Boston. I wanted to see Boston in the fall and the Vermont. Yeah, but you know, there wasn't any flights out. It wasn't as easy as everybody thought. People were no, stuck on the for 20 hours. But right. I hear you. I would have, that's why I would have gotten out of there on Monday. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I, I agree, but it really wasn't going to, it was supposed to go to the West Coast back then. I still but I, I understand. I still would have gotten out on Monday. Especially I will do, the next now, time, yes, but yeah. Now knowing what I know, I would have gotten out on Monday. And I'm, I'm, the only reason I'm having us all talk about this is because why would we put ourselves in harm's way? Why would we take the risk? It's a gamble, you know? Like, I, I've gone to Las Vegas a number of times. It's not a place I enjoy, but I've had a good time when I was there. I'm not a big gambler. It's not a thing for me. I love to play cards and games, but I'm not a big gambler. 20 bucks, Las Vegas. I'm willing to give them 20 bucks, and that's it. I'm done. But um, um, see a couple shows. But the only reason I would ever go there or have gone there is for business. I've never gone there like, oh, let's go to Vegas and have fun. Not that there's anything wrong with people who do that. It's just not my thing. Um, and I lived there for a while, and it's – not a happy place. Anyway, um, not a lot of happy people, you know. Um, so, I, so I said to Venerable, I said, I just would not allow myself to be placed in a position where I could be traumatized. Um, and she said, I can't do it. I can't allow that because I care for too many people. I have way too much responsibility in caring for too many people to ever uh, put myself in a position where uh, th they would be affected because I was uh, traumatized or injured or anything like that. She said, I, I couldn't, it would be irresponsible of me to do that. And, um, and I, I hadn't even thought of it in that term. Uh, I just thought of it in terms of my own self-care, being worried and afraid. So that's, that's my invitation to all of us is because probably years ago, I would have done what you did, Sean. I would have said, you know, because I'm, I'm a tough person, you know. I remember when I ran the New York Marathon in 1986, right? I used to be a runner. And uh, I had trained for several years to run the New York Marathon. And I had done training miles that were 20 miles, tra training runs that were 20 miles long. I had done many training miles that were 10, 12 14, 16, 18, and even 20 miles long to prepare for the 26.2 miles of a marathon. And I ran the New York Marathon with my dad, who had run a bunch of marathons and who's got a totally different body type than I do. And when we were in the 22nd mile, I was really in a lot of pain. My diaphragm was cramping terribly. My, my quads were cramping terribly. It was really painful. And uh, I was going very slowly. And he, uh, he said, 
Jennifer, you're tough. You can do this. And I just said to him, Dad, that's the whole problem right there. I'm tough. I can do this. And I don't ever want to do this again. I was just like, I don't want to treat myself this way anymore. I don't want to prove that I can do things that are hard anymore. I don't want to live that way anymore. And when I got back to my apartment, you know, my family was there, my mom was there and everything. And um, I was getting ready for a, a bath. And I think we had a massage therapist coming or something like that. I was going into the bathtub and my mom said, honey, you did it. You did it. And I said to her, and I don't ever have to do it again. And that was me talking to my ego like, no, I'm going to learn from this. I don't have to tough things out. I don't have to treat myself that way anymore. I don't have to see what I can endure anymore. Because what I know about myself is I can endure a lot. But why would I? Why would I? Why would I treat this precious angel Jennifer as though she has to prove herself to everybody that she can endure all kinds of, you know, difficult physical, emotional, mental, financial trauma? No, no more. So that's why I would have said on Monday, I'm going on vacation. And if anybody's bothered by it, I, I'm talk with you when I get back. <laughs> you know, because we'll see how it goes. And uh, not that that's what everybody should do, but that's just how, how I've learned about myself. Anybody else like to join in on this conversation? Can I just add one thing? I'm sorry. I don't want to monopolize more than I already have. But I didn't stay here because I was tough. I was not tough at all. I cried. I pleaded with my family. I wanted to go. I only stayed here because they didn't want to go, and they were the tough ones. Right, I understand. I don't know if they'll do it again, but we'll see. But I thought it would be easier for me to be here with them rather than go away and not know how they were. Do you think that any of them would have considered leaving if you said, I am going, here's when I'm leaving, you can come with me or not? You want me to ask my son? <laughs> I think at the end, we really were going to leave and he wanted to leave and so did my wife but we were going to leave to a place where the hurricane was going. But yes, I think next time, I don't think they want to deal with me because I was really out of control at certain points. And that's what I mean. I was not tough at all. I was yeah. crying. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know I with my father on Friday. Because uh, what they did, just briefly what they did is, they, they're in the process of moving from one apartment to another. So they're buying one condo and they're selling another. And the one that they're moving, they just moved into is on, on the water and it's on the first floor. And the one that they did have uh, that they're selling is uh, on the second floor and it's away from the water. And so the one that they have been living in is category A evacuation. So the mandatory evacuation where their home was and where their condo they're selling, their empty condo was evacuation category B. So they didn't have mandate. So what they did was they took as much of their stuff from the A apartment to the B apartment. 
They're 80 years old. So they spent like days dragging stuff over there and setting up bedding and camping. And, you know, my dad wanted to have, you know, all the pots and pans as much as possible. They emptied the refrigerator because they didn't know about electricity and all that. And they're 80 years old. And, and he said that they were arguing with each other and everything. And then my, my dad, he's like eight o'clock. He said, well, we're going to go to bed soon, you know, literally. And 8.30, he's like, good night, everybody. See you tomorrow. And at, when I talked to him at like 8.15, he said, we're going to watch a movie. And I was like, wow. You know, that he was like, well, now we, we need to de-stress. We've been arguing all day. And they were like, we're okay now, but now we're going to have a, have a beer and watch a movie and then go to bed, you know. And, um, and so just in hindsight, I just thought, can you not see that you, you're stressing yourselves out, traumatizing yourselves through this emotional intensity But you don't have to, you know? Why? Because it might cost you $1,000 to get out of there, you know? I don't know. That's, it's, I just think we have to care for ourselves at a much higher level. So I'm not, in no way am I being critical of you, Sean. I'm just sharing with everyone. No, I know. If you just think about, because this is one of the things that happens to all of us is, we endure, you know, like we endure living in complete chaos and clutter. We endure living with someone who doesn't really like us. We endure, we endure, we endure. Why do we do that? I just think that when the more I love myself, the more I do not endure those things. And um, I, I had an experience years ago, uh, like maybe... 15, 16 years ago, where I went to this professional training in uh, Vancouver, Canada. And um, I had to, uh, because I had clients, I was consulting with financial clients and stuff like that. And so the night before, in order to get everything done, I pulled an all-nighter. Then I got on that plane to Vancouver, and um, there were some preparations that I was to have done that I didn't do because I just didn't have time to do. And one of the first things, uh, one of the things that I had to have done before uh, the, the conference started, the training started was I was supposed to have come up with a three minute funny story that I could tell on the stage to people because it was a training about speaking from stage and stuff like that. And, um, and so I read through this list of things I was supposed to have done and I thought, well, I, I can think about that later. Three-minute story. I, I'm a good storyteller. No problem. I can do that. So, um, and then they, they uh, the first evening at about nine o'clock or so, they broke us into these groups of 60 people. And my group, uh, our first assignment was we were going to do the funny story thing. Tell your funny story from the stage. So I thought, oh, this is fine you know when uh, the first 20 people are up there I'll I'll figure out what my story is going to be so I'm thinking yeah I got plenty of time to think a story and I hear Jennifer Hadley you're up first right so I'm like 
Oh, great. I have now 10 seconds, 15 maybe, if I take it slow, going up those stairs to think of a funny story. And I, I didn't think of a funny story. But I just started talking, you know, and I, I, I did, I said what I said for three minutes. And uh, my time was up. And I got off the stage. And fortunately, um, I was, I was very funny. And um, as you, I know, it's hard to imagine, but I was very funny. And um, I told minister stories and jokes. And uh, it's so easy to get a laugh when because people don't expect you to say those things. So it, I, I know how to go get a cheap laugh, and I did. And so the 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 guy who ran the thing happened to be in the room, which was amazing. And um, he walked right up to me as I came off the stage, and he said, "You're amazing. You just killed." He totally slayed these people. That was amazing. And I was like, that's great, you know, got that done, right? So now I can, I can just listen to the other people. And um, in my perception at that time, these people, these are not people that have a story that others would like to hear. Maybe close friends or family, you know, where you, I'm going to listen to your incredibly dull story because I love you. But for me to have to listen to these strangers' stories, I was like, well, wait a minute. These are not funny stories. You, you don't know how to tell a funny story. You, you, what are you doing? <laughs> like, it was a lot like that. And we ha they had this rule that you had to stay there for all 60 people. And I knew that, because I could do a head count, three minutes, that, that, that we were going to finish somewhere between two and three o'clock in the morning. I pulled an all-nighter the night before. And we were going to start at 8 a.m. So I, I said, all right, I have two choices here. I can support these people tonight, or I can support them in the morning. But I can't do both because mama got to get some sleep. Because right then, it was about 10.30 at night, uh, maybe 11. So I said, I listened to 10 of them, and they were just, oof. And I said, I'm going to go to sleep now so I can be fresh and supportive all day tomorrow. And so I did. And the next night, we had another speaking thing and uh, where we had to tell some authentic, I don't remember what it was, but to be tell a story of, it was completely authentic and be vulnerable. So I said, look, the first thing I got to tell you people is I did not stay last night. I broke the rule. And I, I recognize that that means you can throw me out because I broke the rule. And, but I just, I, I had a choice. I could listen to you uh, uh, thoughtfully all day today, or I could have listened to you last night and snoozed in my chair. And I made the decision that I felt was best for everybody. So, um, Immediately, people leapt up and said, get out of here. We don't want you. You're a traitor. You're a loser. Get out of here. How dare you? You're scum. I mean, really, people were angry. And so I took it all, and I, I went ahead. And, you know, the guy who was running the room said, uh, finish, finish your three minutes or whatever. So I did. And, um, um, you know, and I felt a little defensive, of course, you know, I'm not used to people tell me that kind of talk, uh, smack talk, but, uh, I just knew that I had made the right decision. I just knew it. I knew I was breaking the rules, but it's like, 
my self-care is my priority. And um, at the end of the week, a couple, maybe three of the people who had slammed me and yelled at me, apologized to me. And I said, let me just ask you a question. Do you have trouble taking good care of yourself? Would you think maybe you were so angry at me because I was actually saying, I care more about me than I do about you, not because I'm better than you, but because I'm in charge of my self-care and I'm going to take good care of myself. And do you, uh, you know, let yourself run on fumes and exhaust yourself in order to take care of other people? You put other people in front of you in ways that are um, self-sacrificing that nobody's even asking you to do. Do you do any of those things? And every single one of the people that was angry with me that apologized to me said, it's my biggest issue. So I discovered when I was in ministerial school, because I was in ministerial school at that time, that if I don't take good care of myself, I'm a terrible minister. Because then that's what I'm teaching other people, that somehow being in ministry is uh, self-sacrifice and suffering and I do not wish to send that message to the world at all because that's that's um, that's right up there with chastity and vows of poverty and it's just not helpful to us anymore so I've I've had and I could of course give you many 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 other stories uh, where people were upset that I was taking care of myself it threatened them because they aren't able to do it and I've learned to stand in what's right for me and not to make anybody else wrong. And I've also learned to, to be able to teach gently through my choices and to teach only love. So it's definitely been a journey. Anybody else like to share? On this topic, Deb? Pop up as things were being discussed, and I'm sure I didn't catch them all, but one is the thought came through, you can run, but you can't hide. You can leave, but you can't hide. So just because we leave, I don't know that we're not going to be traumatized. We might be safer in the physical realm, but you're still wondering and thinking about and being concerned about whoever's left or your stuff, unless you've really gotten to the point where the stuff is let go of. So I hear what you're saying. I'm just not sure leaving. Completely removes you from experiencing trauma. Well, um, I appreciate what you're saying. I, I say that because I'm weather weary and I wasn't even there, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> it's the same thing as with what happened to Sheila or Houston or, you know, I mean, there's just a point where you have to turn the television off. Or I do, yeah. Healthcare standpoint, so certainly there's a 
different experience energetically when you're in the path of the direct storm versus 100 miles away versus completely out of it. And, and that definitely is less traumatizing energetically, but I'm not sure. And I think I hear what you're saying about an 80-year-old, why not leave? And I get that it was your dad. But most 80-plus-year-olds that I know, that you don't want to, you, you, they don't want to leave. Their biggest fear is I leave, I'm dying. I leave my house, I'm dying. In the sense of being told to, just that's their security. And they have their, it goes back to the stuff. They have their stuff. They have everything they need. They have their, you know, it's seemingly secure. I don't know. Just, um, I, you know, those are just thoughts that came up with me. And part of that's from my experience of working with elderly that really do need to leave their home now Tornado, hurricane, not, irregardless. They're like mired in concrete. With it. And, yeah. you know. To me, that's a, a very different circumstance. But I understand. Right, but I'm saying even with the hurricane, leaving does not, I mean, going back home and finding a mess. Yeah, physically, maybe their energy field is not as traumatized. But when they go back and see that, there's still a level of, unless they're able to be in the world and not of the world, there's still a level of trauma that happens. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. But the, uh, to me, it's a huge difference between going through an experience where the house is shaking, the windows are blowing in, the roof is flying off, and you're witnessing it all versus you come back and you see it later. Big right, deal. right. You know, I mean, ask, ask Sheila how yeah. her daughter felt surviving the experience she went through versus if she just went back and visited the house later. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, from the standpoint of you're in a different energy, even with the hurricane, if we yeah. look at it just energetically, yeah, it's about and, releasing. Uh, and counterclockwise. Yeah. Sheila, you, if you had to do over again, what would you have requested of your daughter? Absolutely, that she wouldn't be there. In our case, we didn't know. We went to bed and woke up to a situation that we didn't know was coming. No one did. We've lived through hurricanes, of course, and um, absolutely, I would not want them to be there um, at all. But I can see the value, Jennifer, in how the way we each experienced our story how it's shaped our life now. 
Oh, yeah. I, can, I can certainly see the benefit in each of our situations are very different. Right. But, but what I know now, I would have, you know, we would have got the heck out of there. But it, that's always the case. You always coulda, shoulda, woulda later when you, you know, which is a good example to me that until I know things in all directions in time and space, I don't know what anything's for. That's a good example. Well, we kind of knew afterwards. <laughs> but of course I would want them to leave. Yeah, for me, the only point I'm making is to assess situations that, because the ego will do what my dad did, what I've done in the past and think, I can endure this, I can make it through. And now that I'm much more aligned with spirit, I think what is going to be the most self-loving, self-nurturing, self-supportive thing that I can do? And so it's just a different vantage point and I make different decisions from that vantage point. So it's really not, it's not that there's a right or a wrong, it's just what, what's motivating you. Can I understand my father's choices? Of course, I, I totally understand. But it's also like Sean, she, she thought it would be different than it was. And she realizes now it could have been actually horrific. Thank God it wasn't. But I think the thing too for us all is to look at how can we apply this to our own life? What are we enduring that maybe we don't have to? We've lost perspective. So that's where I'm, I'm going to put us into a breakout and to have a, a, just a, a conversation with a smaller group. What are you enduring? And uh, we're going to just take a 10-minute breakout here and then come back. What are you enduring? Maybe eight minutes. Um, any, and so what are you possibly enduring that you you've lost perspective that you don't don't have to endure that what is it that is um creating distress energetically around you um in, in or in your relationships in your home in your workplace wherever you are that you can shift and change and and perhaps you know someone for instance like rand you've you've changed things a lot lately um, so maybe from that perspective of now looking back, now that you know what you know, would you do things differently? So that's another angle that you could have this conversation if you're feeling like, um, I, I'm pretty good where I am to, you could think about what is the conversation? What is the advice perhaps, or the guidance that you would give your former self? Uh, if you could go back to a point in time where you were uh, enduring something that you didn't need to, that was very difficult or traumatizing, and you were doing it just because you thought you should endure it. 
Does anybody have any questions before I put you into the breakout? Not seeing anything. Nobody? All right. So I'm going to unmute everyone here in just a moment. I need my special seeing tool to see the little numbers here. All right, here we go. Welcome back. So, did you learn anything? Did you discover anything? What? And I'd love if everybody could just share what uh, what what they came to. So, um, who would like to go first? Sheila. <laughs> Sorry, I. Was just sharing right before. For some reason, our rooms popped back early, so I'm not sure what happened. But we—I was sharing with Lawrence that it was no coincidence that um, he and I was partnered up and discussing a similar situation around vehicles and um, what it boils down to for myself is realizing that I have fallen back into a lack and limited thinking, and wishing for that not to be my story, not only now but ever again. Um, so that I learned that I was still holding on to something that needs to go, uh, not needs to, but I wish to go and really, and that we can release it at any time. Anytime we wish we can give it over. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I uh, yeah, I, I, it's, we, we both realize that it's that it's that it's that it's time that we can give it over now, not uh, not wait until some time in the future to do it. Not say, well, yeah, we'll, we'll do it later. I'll think about that later. It's, it's it can be done now. It can be released right now. Yeah, I love that. We don't have to keep enduring this. So valuable to see that, to recognize it, and to affirm it, make that choice. It's a big shift in perspective. Very helpful. Thank you, Lawrence. Who's next? Rand? Um, we, um, we were talking about my move and, and the, the number of, uh, basically it was the hardest move I'd ever done. 
I've sold, bought and sold lots of houses and never had such a difficult time with the buyers of my house and also trying to buy a house. And Carla just reminded me, it, these are just, and I was, during that time, I prayed a lot and just said, well, when these things happened, I says, you know, there's value in this. There's a learning in this experience. And I may not even truly understand what the learning is, but I valued it. But then Carla reminded me during this process, the most important thing is just to love yourself during this time. Just love yourself. Be gentle on yourself and love yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like there's um, anything currently going on where you feel like you're still enduring something you don't need to? Yeah, right now, uh, uh, chronic pain has just went to the ceiling for me. And, um, but I did go to, I got a new doctor here since I moved, I, I switched doctors and we did a procedure and they actually found a fungus infection in my spinal cord. And so we are treating that as we speak. So that came out, I would have never gotten this new doctor if I hadn't made the move. So, <laughs> uh, find something to treat. So that was uh, a positive thing. Also, not positive to have the fungus, but it's positive to have something identified and have something to treat. And that's, that's came out of the move as well. And uh, I, I don't know how long it would take before I see some positivity from this medicine, but uh, uh, I'm just open to it. I know that I can be healed and will be healed regardless if the medicine was here or not. I'm open to the healing that comes my way. Yes. And I'm very thankful and grateful for that. Yes. Yeah, me too. Does anybody have a me three? <laughs> there we go. I see some me threes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, thank you. Who's next? Elena and then Deb. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, I came to um, two realizations, actually. One is that um, the fear of separation keeps, kept me uh, from actually addressing the issues. Now I see the situation that the more I give up, give over that version of separation in family, I mean, relationship, the more peacefully I can actually uh, resolve the issues. So what I see now is that although there are some things still, and you know, like anger and stone, it's still present. 
somehow. But I'm, I, I get more and more peaceful in the way that I see I, I, there are a strong guidance and intuition that it can be resolved and healed completely from my family and from my life and that myself doing work on myself uh, and it can be resolved. But from another point of view, I'm getting also to this place where I'm, I'm, I'm okay with living the situation if I see that there's no way it can be healed. You see what I mean? So that's what I learned. And another thing is that, another thing is that I talked to my prayer partner not so long ago about it, that I went from May to today through the process of overcoming my own fears. And it's like a butterfly coming out of the cocoon. I was, I needed this in order to have my strong wills. I'm like, I feel this now. I go, I'm in all areas of my life. You know, and I was always wanted to, I always wanted to build my business. I, I was afraid of so many things. And now it's just like, go, 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 go. It's like I confronted the worst fear of my life. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what the, so I've doubled, like, of course, it was not a pleasant process. It was very emotional. It was an emotional turmoil, you know. But from another point of view, I grew in it so much. And I came to the point where I really saw one thing. There is only one power in, in this world and there is this God and this power is supporting and keeping me and I, when, I, when I felt this and I, I really felt this honestly for the first time in my life was complete I came to this point where I saw this, everything was like my whole you know this the sand uh, house which was just falling down and so on and I just realized that nothing can happen nothing bad can happen to me I'm supported. So this was, I would have never learned it without this process. So that was uh, the two realizations. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. You're welcome. Yeah, it's so valuable, Elena, because we begin to really understand and comprehend and feel it deeply that everything is working together for our good that nothing is without good in it without some benefit for us and it does take it requires our willingness to see it to feel it and to not reject what's going on in order for us to um, harvest that wisdom if we yeah. think we know what everything is for, then we can't really receive all the benefits. Yeah. So I am really grateful now for everything that happened. I understand. Because it really brought me to this place where I'm now, and I, I, I like this place. I yeah. like this place. Yeah. yeah. Even just feeling even financially completely secure, although there is nothing tangible, but I know... I am safe. I yeah. am safe. Just, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And Deb? I, uh, as you were talking, clutter was one thing that I'm still working on and decluttering and organizing, but uh, the thing that really came up was 
about a week before the uh, end of August, I really went into a spiral down around grief around my mom's passing, which was the anniversary on the 31st. And I did some grief work around that and uh, wrote a letter to her. But what became clear as I did the process and allowed space for me to have self-care space that week if I needed it, was the relief that I felt when I sent an email to two people, two clients that I had scheduled a one-on-one with for grief recovery on the day that my mom passed. And when I looked at that on Sunday before that Thursday, I thought, are you nuts to myself before I had done the grief work? By the time I'd finished the grief work, I felt more more like I could do it, but I was still willing to send the email. And when I sent the email to those two clients, just saying, not canceling, but might cancel, have to see what I need to do for my self-care, I felt such relief and space that I realized how much I'm still driven with my schedule Mm. and filling it in and having too much going on and not allowing enough time or maybe not using the time that I do have wisely for self-care. I'm not quite sure about all of that yet, but, and I don't even work full time. So, you know, not a full-time schedule, but I, I create this internal pressure. And then the week after that, which I didn't share in the group, but I just connected. Uh, I somehow got exposed to poison ivy, I think with my nephew cutting some wood, but I have this significant poison ivy case. And in talking with my prayer partner last night, we talked, I got the insight that I don't need to internalize my reactivity and my own criticalness. And it's all connected with this self-care piece somehow. So I am just handing it up to become clear and create a new schedule that's more loving and, you know, a life that's more loving and, yeah. Oh, that's good news. Yeah. Don't want to have to endure another case of poison ivy. <laughs> no. No. Thank you, Deb. Mm-hmm. All right, who's next? I think it's only me, right? You and then uh, Carla. Oh. Go ahead, Sean. Go ahead. You know, it it just made me realize I have a lot of areas where I need to to take a look at and um, realize that I'm doing things the hard way. And that's what I came up with. (laughs) Um, Rather than just kind of listing them, I'd just rather... um, just take a look at them and see how I could address each one. Good. Yeah, because you know, I, I've known so many people, Sean, who um, 
they've uh, my grandmother used to say, you can get used to hanging if you hang long enough. And um, that uh, she was a Southern belle and they had all these sayings, you know. And um, that's the thing is that we lose perspective and we lose perspective on our own suffering because we've gone into managing and coping with it. And we're not living from intention anymore. We're not living from aspiration anymore. That's why doing the AIGs is really helpful uh, with your prayer partners. And um, that uh, there's also some folks, they grew up in difficult circumstances where things were always difficult and challenging. And... Um, they keep recreating it. So I don't, I don't know if that is something that could be going on here, but um, sometimes people, it, they have a sense of themselves, they have a sense of their worth and their goodness because they're constantly dealing with difficulties and enduring them. And that, so their sense of identity, their sense of self-esteem, comes from putting themselves in that position all the time. Uh, and they, but they don't realize that actually we can live a gentle, loving life and, uh, and feel really good about ourselves. And so that's, that's a transition that I've been making. And so I encourage everyone to, to, to discover the benefits of it. Yeah, and it makes me think that, um, you know, I grew up, my mother was very, um, always worried about something. There was always some drama in our life. And, and I think that I've taken my life away from that drama. There's always something constantly going on to a life that's more, most part, just kind of calm and non-conflictive. But that's not enough. I mean, I, I really want to be able to take it to the next level. But um now that I feel, I feel like kind of like this little health issue has popped up. That's not that big of a deal, but you know, I always seem to think just if I get past this one little thing, then I can focus on that, you know, but now's the time to focus on every, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know. I, I think that I need to take an inventory and then figure out, <laughs> I don't really know, but I can see the joy in life and, and I'd rather be there than where I'm currently at. Right. right. Although it's not bad. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's it. All right. Miss Carla. Oh, thanks. I couldn't find it. Um, um, while you're talking, I think tears are coming. I could feel them. While you're talking, it flashed before me all the things in my life. I, I, oh, I'm unloving. I'm being to myself. Now, everything has been to help me. My herpes, getting herpes, having to change my life, and even the attacks here, it's having to slow down and be more present with myself. 
and gentle with myself. So um, I'm just realizing that I'm still learning that. I've got, I've got tons. I've done a lot to do that. But and in talking to me, it's like I realize that is the most important thing right now in my life. And I think I've heard you say how it's so important for <clears throat> for you to that you weren't even to allow yourself to speak badly to yourself or harshly to yourself. And I realize that's why I'm really interested in making that the most important. And what I've done and things I'm still doing, and I'm seeing, I saw those too, that that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. I'm not loving myself enough <clears throat> to give my, to, to do those things, to choose those things. So, and, and and I know everything is is this is important. This is that this will be the class, and I'm coming to all these classes because I'm determined to do that. And so, yes, I know that to be true. You know that to be true. Yeah. So we're all loving ourselves free, we're loving ourselves more, letting go of the unknown, unseen habits of putting ourselves in difficult situations and just allowing it to continue thinking we have to endure it. It takes a lot of courage to look at these things and week after week, month after month to be so introspective. and. Um, there are a lot of people, believe me, that they would prefer a spiritual class where I was just sharing more information and more information and more information. But what I've seen is I, I've just seen so many people in my life who have collected inf spiritual information for decades, but they aren't doing the work at this level like we are. And they're, they're just they're, they're not living their potential. They're not living their life. They're not really shifting and changing at the level they could be. And um, I'm very grateful that we uh, are using the Zoom because it, it, uh, it naturally forces us to have more intimacy and, um, and more love, to love ourselves more. We're looking at ourselves. We're looking at each other. And we know we're being seen, we're being witnessed, and it's, uh, it's an uh, extraordinary thing. Extraordinary. Yeah. <sighs> so, so glad you're safe, Sean. And so glad that you didn't have a lot of damage and didn't have a lot of trauma. Yeah. All right, next week we have, uh, we don't have a year three class. We, um, we have a Venerables class. We have the Monday year one class and Venerables class. And um, 
and I, do we have a year two class next week? Not sure. Um, yes, we do. We have year, no. Oh, so next week we have, yeah, we have um, year two. We don't have Venerable next week. We have her the week after. I'm looking at the right thing. No, I'm not. Yeah, we have Venerable next week on Tuesday, but we do not. We have do not have a year three class. All right. So let's take that time of prayer here. So grateful. So thankful to open our hearts and minds to the infinite love of God that's shining in our awareness, it's shining in our hearts, ever shining, uh, it's eternally shining. And we are grateful and thankful to let it shine. We're letting the clouds and the storm fall away. We don't need them anymore. We are grateful to stand in the light of love. We are grateful and thankful to energize self-love and self-care and to be more present to ourselves. We are grateful and thankful to give all sense of needing to endure to the Holy Spirit to do the heavy lifting. We are truly grateful and thankful to expand our awareness to more peace, more love, and more joy in a practical day-to-day -day way. And we are grateful to go forth renewed in the Spirit, renewed in faith. In gratitude, we let it be, sharing the benefits with all. We know it's done, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes. Mwah. Well, bless you, everybody. Bye for now.